whoever is listening, we're glad to have you in. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 65. Today, guys, I am joined Patrick Neal. He is the co-host of Cover 2, presented by Tiger Vision, a good friend of the show and a good friend of mine. We do college football every Tuesday and some Instagram lives to back that up. So, Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Grayson. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Um, you know, I've listened I've listened to a few episodes, and I gotta say, I I enjoy the work. So hey. it's it's a cool it's a cool gift to finally be on the show. Hey, it was a long time coming. It it just had to happen at some point, and I felt like this was the perfect weekend to be able to do that. And speaking of this weekend, Patrick, we had quite the we had semifinal games that either. Depending on how you looked at it, it either lived up to your expectations or it was, went exactly how you thought it was going to go. So I just want to start with the Bama game. I Honestly, you have these things called expectations, and then you have these things called reality. And I think a lot of people thought that since he was going to get rolled over, it was going to be over by halftime. But it really, the reality is, if Cincinnati put together a couple drives, it probably would have been a different conversation. Did you see anything different? Because I think that if Ritter and the offense had stepped up a little bit, because Cincinnati's defense was holding Bryce Young in check for the most part. So it was pretty entertaining, honestly, seeing the David versus Goliath aspect of it. Oh, yeah, I, I think you're right on the money. I mean, since Cincinnati was just unable to get in the end zone, which, of course, is, is going to be an issue when you're playing football and trying to win a football game. But, um, yeah, Bryce Young... Well, while he did have, I believe, three touchdowns, um, he didn't have his best game ever. Um, he, uh, neither did Jamison Williams, who only had like 60, 70 uh, receiving yards. So um, uh, the, it was just that Bama was able to run all over the Cincinnati defense. Now, Cincinnati, I think, they, they play a similar defense to that of Ole Miss. And if you remember the Ole Miss game, uh, Ole Miss got absolutely run over uh, by Bama and, and Brian Robinson. And Bama just did the same thing. That was their game plan. Um, uh, don't 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 go towards the strengths of Cincinnati in their defensive backs, and just take take on uh, their defensive line, their linebackers all game. Yeah, and I think that it was very important for the group of five as a whole to be in this game and not it be clear to the country that they were just inferior in every like aspect of the game because they were making hits. They felt like they belonged there. It felt like a worthy of a number four spot. That's always going to be the discussion with a group of five team, like with UCF when they play. If they were to play that 2018 Bama team, they probably would have gotten wiped. But there's just so many things that have happened. And I think the uh, the big question was, will Cincinnati hang around? And they really did. Uh, but Brian Robinson, man, he the thing that they showed, Damien Harris, who's now in the NFL. They had uh, Najee Harris, who's now in the NFL. They had He just had to wait his turn. And he had an explosive game and an explosive day. I'm really excited to see how Bama responds when they play their next opponent. But do you have any lasting impressions for that game? Because there's just not like it just feels like a Bama domination. But at the same time, since he showed up, I mean, Alabama won by 21, but like it honestly doesn't feel like um, like like it was that much of a blow. I mean, like you said, Cincinnati stayed with Bama for I would say at least the majority of the game. I yeah. mean, it, they, they eventually kind of pulled away, but um, hopefully this isn't an, a, a be-all, say-all for the group of five. Um, yeah. I think Cincinnati pretty clearly deserved to be in here. Like, there wasn't really much of a debate, which is pretty abnormal most uh, for most years of the college football playoff. N- normally you have a bit of a discussion for that number four spot. And we've really, if, if you look at past uh, meetings between the one and four, you have a blowout 
like 60, 70% of the time. So I really don't want to hear that Cincinnati didn't deserve to be here. Cincinnati or a group of five teams should never get another chance because every year is different too. So um, I, it was, it was a little unfortunate that uh, it wasn't a bit closer, but um, yeah, Ritter, Ritter and, you know, Alec Pierce, Alec Pierce, Jerome Ford, all them just weren't really uh, ever able to get going, I think on the offense. Yeah, and I think something that I caught on early is that Bama was just, they seemed ready for a little bit of everything that since he was throwing at him. There was a point where Desmond Ritter's balls were getting tipped like 50% of the time. They had, I, I don't know who 48 is on Bama, but he was up there. He was pretty much I believe, ready. I believe it's uh, Mathis. I can't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was up, he was getting like deflection after deflection. They were just, it, it, I don't want to say that it was because Bama's better coach, but they've just been in these situations before, so they just it's not really like they you they win the cotton bowl and you see their interviews they're kind of not really phased they're just ready to go on to the next step it's almost like a regular season game to them but for all the naysayers out there in the group of five all the haters if you want to call them that it's good to see that uh cincinnati like you said just didn't bend over they didn't just fall apart they were really in it for a long time and it was it's just unfortunate that they couldn't get it going in the end yeah I mean, this game was closer than than the second playoff game. Um, so, like, Cincinnati has that to say, at least. Yeah, it felt like this one was a little bit closer and, like, Cincinnati had a chance that they could put it all together. But a team that really didn't have it all together at any point in this game was Michigan. And yeah, it was it was tough. Uh, it, I think that it, they got taken to the woodshed. It was Georgia. They came in. They were, I think, they were really waiting – for a month to prove this that that Bama loss wasn't wasn't that good wasn't going to be their staple of their season they came out there and pretty much played like they played for 12 games and then they took the whole Bama thing out of memory out of sight out of mind and I think I talked to you about it saying this could be really good for them that they lost get a little slap to the face you're not as good as you think you are they go out there and they just take care of business it was a domination oh oh yeah for sure I mean like you said, Georgia got a little bit of humble pie against Alabama, um, but, you know, had this entire month to prepare for Michigan. And obviously it paid off because Michigan could not run the ball uh, very effectively, could not throw the ball. Um, they, I guess they just don't really have the passing game necessary to open up the run game against this Georgia defense, which is absurd against the run. Yeah, um, And I think there's also a question as opposed to, uh, or about um, Michigan, their, their, their goal every year is, of course, to beat Ohio State, and they completed that goal. So when that happened, when they did that, won the Big Ten championship, um, you almost wonder as if they, they almost lost that hunger, lost that fight, lost that motivation to, to, to you know, play football to the best of their ability. And obviously Georgia is a top-two team. Um, I'm, I'm, oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say that uh, they did. They they should have won this game, or or they should have blown out Georgia or whatever. But um, you wonder uh, with Georgia not being able to beat Bama in the SEC championship, but Michigan being able to beat Ohio State, which they have struggled to do, haven't been able to do since 2011, and then go on and win the Big Ten championship. You wonder if there's almost just a mismatch of of levels of intensity, levels of hunger between the two. Yeah, and I think for uh, Harbaugh, the, the pressure was really off. This the, His back wasn't against the wall because no one's going to say, oh, you lost to Georgia in the playoff. You're done. You're gone. They took care of business. They 
really outkicked their coverage in terms of this season because they weren't even ranked to start the year. Yeah, they're that's, the only, that's crazy now. They're the only playoff team in the short years that we've had it that have started out ranked or unranked and then gone to be in the top two at the very least, which is unreal. And I, so I've, I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a physical, this is going to be a dog fight. And Georgia came out, they were up tempo. They were throwing the ball. They were really, they're using kind of Michigan's uh, tricks too. They're using the double passes. They're using oh, yeah. a lot of, uh, they watched that Iowa game. They're like, okay, we can do that too. And I think there was a point where I looked to uh, my brother, and my dad, and I said, this, could, this is going to get ugly. And it was when Georgia was up 7-0, they had just easily scored. And then Michigan went through it forward on fourth down, which I, I commend the aggressiveness, and they just got stumped. And then Georgia went, and it was 14 nothing in a blink of an eye, and I was like, oh, here we go. So I don't want to say Michigan was like looking ahead or anything, but I think that this Georgia-Bama matchup is what everyone thought we were going to get. And there's a lot of like, oh, man, I can't believe we got it. But we expected this. We've been predicting it for months now that Georgia and Bama would face each other again, another SEC championship championship. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we'll talk about it, obviously, on cover two. But I think Georgia's hungry. I really uh, I'm very excited for this. Yeah, I mean, they are obviously the two best teams in the country at this point. I think I don't think there's really any debate Um for, for anybody else being a, a top two team. But yeah, it's kind of the least interesting matchup, I guess you can say. I mean, not least interesting. Like, it's it, it's a rematch. Uh, Georgia opens up as, an, as a favorite, as a really? two and a half point favorite. I have not seen yeah, the line yet. That's believe that. That's more rat poison that Nick Saban's going to eat up, <laughs> I guess. Um, but it, it, it is, it, it, it's the least, I don't know. I don't know the word. Um, it, what we, we could have had so many other combinations with Cincinnati, with Michigan, yeah, but yeah. we just get the SEC SEC rematch, which uh, is is great. I mean, it's a good uh, game at the end. It's, it's not really going to bother. It's going to be a good game. Yeah, I I don't think it'll be quite the blowout uh, as as the SEC championship, especially with John Mechie being out. Um, yeah, that but, that'll. I think that's something that we that we saw in the Cincinnati game where they're really to they just had to really hone in on one guy and kind of make sure he doesn't break free because you had other guys like Slay Bolden and. Uh, you had, uh, I think it was like with their fourth, they have so many good receivers just waiting to step out of the field. So you see why someone like, um, they you had people transfer down and transfer up from Ohio State to Alabama. But uh, it'd be an interesting matchup now because you only have one guy to worry about. But then Brian Robertson pops off for 200 yards. So Georgia's got a lot of, they get they got to pick their poison, not to just completely talk about that rat poison. But I think if Georgia can replicate the pressure they got, on Caden McNamara, on Bryce Young, it could be very interesting because Deion Kendrick was getting there, former Clemson guy, gets back to the national championship. Two interceptions. Yeah. Not many so. Clemson fans are probably going to be happy that he's going, but yeah. he's doing his thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, him and Nicobe Dean played really, really well on defense. But also, uh, Bama has been a little bit injured on the on the back end for their defense, uh, their, the defensive backs. Armour Davis wasn't completely healthy. You saw him on the bike uh, throughout the game. Yeah, I did see that. Um, you got... You got the likes of Josh Job and all that. So um, if they're all able to get healthy again, or it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get healthy again with just a week left uh, before the championship game and and how yeah. that plays a factor. It's not a month anymore. There's a, it'll be, I keep thinking it's tomorrow, but it's next Monday. So mm-hmm. they're going to have that whole week in Indianapolis. I'm, you, if you got a quick prediction for it, what do you got? You got Georgia or Bama? Oh, I don't know, <laughs> dude. Uh, it, it, it's going to be tough. I just, 
seeing Georgia open up as a favorite. Yeah, I don't. Like I just that. I I don't like or at least at least for Georgia's sake, I don't like uh, Nick Saban being an underdog again. I no. so I That's think I probably got to go with Bama. Bama squeaking it out, and I think it'll be a little bit closer. Um, maybe like a 34-30, 34-27 kind of game. That'd be a game. <laughs> game, but uh, something like that, I, th- I think, is is probably what it ends up being. Yeah, I think that it. we're going to really see how uh, Georgia responds. It's tough to beat the same team twice. I mean, we've seen that. It uh, definitely is. We've seen Clemson and Notre Dame do it recently. We've seen a lot of other uh, matchups, especially within the conference. But for Georgia, it's going to be that this is – we look back in December, and I think that there could have been a lack of focus because they were going to be in the playoff regardless. If they had gotten like beat 63 to zero, maybe. But if they'd played Bama close and were at least alive during the game, I think that the CFP had no reason to keep them out. So there was a lack of, there wasn't your this real pressure for Bama. They were desperate. If they lost, they were done. So I think now that is kind of equalized and it's on the same playing field. So it comes down to can Kirby Smart just outcoach Nick Saban? And can that offense get going and stay consistent? Because they popped off to a 10-0 lead, and Bama just slowly but surely just boom, 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 boom. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see indeed. Yeah. Now, I really want to get into some of the uh, other bowl games, but I really want to focus on the Rose Bowl. That was probably the favorite football game I've watched of the year. Uh, Yeah. yeah, That was fun. I enjoyed that. Very, very much. Very much a track meet, if you uh, mm-hmm. want to describe it as something. You had Ohio State, who started a little bit slow early. And I think I text. I don't know if I texted you or somebody else, but my thing for Ohio State was, do they want to be here? Because they were a game away from being in the playoffs. They probably would have taken care of business against Iowa. The, is the Rose Bowl more of a formality of them being there, or are they actually wanting to fight for it? And I think it took them a little while. But they also had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave out, which we'll talk about later with the opt-outs. But I, I think Utah came to play. I think Utah proved that they belong, that they're willing to compete. Cam Rising was fantastic until he got hurt. I wish I could watch it again. That's just really all I want to say. Yeah, that was, oh my gosh, that was awesome. I was watching it with a bunch of, of family friends uh, from our neighborhood. And oh my gosh, the second quarter, especially, just touchdown after touchdown yeah. after touchdown. It, it was, it was, it's. You know, to 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 pay tribute to the late John Madden, it was like a Madden video game. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. on, on, on with when you're doing it with your friends, um, and you're just four verticals down the field, Harry Mary every single time, <laughs> touchdown, Moss, every single thing. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. It's um, great. Yeah, uh, it, you you're definitely right about Utah coming to play. Uh, they, I think I think um, having so many fans in the stands was yeah. a factor as well. You you saw the that Ohio State turned back how many tickets was it like seven thousand? Yeah, it, I think like the uh, the final numbers it was like eighty percent Utah and then twenty percent Ohio State or something like that because you could when Utah was playing when you, Ohio State had a third down and you could hear it it was ridiculous yeah. the atmosphere was crazy and you are you glad to have uh, Herb Street and uh, Chris Chris Fallick on that game because they also bring a certain amount of energy and they understand the moment. And it was just so great. It felt like a movie almost where CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. It was just, oh my gosh. He was like a video game. We got to talk about JSN. My guy. (laughs) Goodness. He was, he he was doing whatever he wanted out there. I mean, 347, three touchdowns could have had another one. If if it wasn't for Clark Phillips, who also had a very, very good game. Interestingly enough, 
Clark Phillips was a verbal commit to Ohio State, ended up flipping to Utah um, and and forced two turnovers this game. But, yeah, uh, yeah Jackson Smith and Jigba breaks – whole bunch of records i don't even remember all of them like most most receiving yards in a bowl game most receiving yards i don't i don't even know any record you can think of he probably yeah he, last he, night. his name his name's probably in 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 that place now retire um, his jersey in the rose bowl stadium like just yeah. get it done i mean yeah and then jamar chase today said hold my beer pretty oh much my gosh. <laughs> that was fun too as as a Bengals fan that was <laughs> so to watch jackson smith and jig on saturday jamar chase on sunday Joe Burrow and CJ Stroud both days. Oh my gosh, it was it was so much fun to watch. A lot of offense. Stroud had a day too. He had almost 600 yards. <laughs> he, he he he. I think he broke a record or two too. I'm sure they did. Um, um, but you also got like Marvin Harrison, who really stepped up. True freshman, Marvin Marvin, yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm sorry, um, but he he unleashed a little bit of his dad. Uh, and uh, out of nowhere too. To, he he got three touchdowns. So Good that him, that receiver room is stacked. Like, <laughs> They'll like always keep have, rebuilding, reloading. To, to, to have Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting on the bench all year, not do anything, and then come in and catch three touchdowns casually was was awesome. And that that touchdown he had, uh, where he faked he faked the slant, went back outside for the corner fade. That was that Looked was like his dad. dirty. That was dirty. Looked like uh, his dad. I felt old saying that one, but uh, that was and the you know you have those opt outs with uh everything but cj stroud i was surprised at how like unfazed he looked because jackson smith and jsn eventually became that number one guy so they honed in on him still couldn't stop him and yeah. cj stroud had to rally them back from pretty much every time ohio state had to step up on offense their defense took three steps back because oh my gosh it was just, awful they're just slinging it, it. and the cam rising is a tough son of a gun he was he, getting the crap kicked out of him he deserves a lot of credit yeah um, it's a shame that he left out but he got yeah they weren't gonna that, let him that back was in. unfortunate um, but you know his backup came in through touchdown uh, and and a didn't look awful. I want to say he never like thrown a pass in college before or something. I think uh, he was basically mop up duty, handing off like the ball to like the third mm-hmm. string running back where there's like a minute left when they blew somebody out. They said that he was like working on the farm too, as like a yeah, just as, just on the side or something like that. <laughs> Comes into the he's, Rose Bowl. He's he's thrown out there to his cattle. Um, <laughs> uh, he's he's lifting hay bales to. Uh, That's where he gets his reps. To, yeah, to get his reps and to get his to get his strength and conditioning in. But yeah, him, Britton, Covey, uh, the whole Utah team deserves a big, big yeah. uh, round of applause. Like, I had a friend who was like, I never even heard of the University of Utah. One, I don't know how that's possible. Like, um, he's he he isn't the biggest like college football fan, but you know that 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 just kind of shows you, um, you know. Which that that's a little bit disrespectful, but to, to any of the Utah fans, but I've I've heard from them before. But anyways, it that just kind of shows you um I think what a lot of people probably thought about this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, just walked walked out. It but, was like it was pretty much you you got like everything that you'd expect from that game. You thought that it was going to be Ohio State. I personally believe that Ohio State was just like talent wise, it would eventually take over. Like yeah. there'd be a lot of energy, you'd be like, Okay, Utah, you come to play, but and I don't I think that comes with us not watching them enough because they're always on at like 11 o'clock at night and everyone's pretty much already tired enough from watching football all day. So going to watch the Utes, kind of like, all right, I, I've seen enough. I'm, I'm good. I'll go to bed. And so getting to see a new team and that energy, they were they, they had people and they were not even dressed up for the game. They were like jumping up and down and hugging each other during like touchdowns and stuff. So it was great to see. Really great to see that as a team. 
something that also made headlines, and this is probably going to be our final thing, maybe a little bit of a discussion, because I don't really know where you stand on this, but there's always going to be the debate of what the opt-in versus opt-out situation is, because you saw that what Kurt Herbstreit said, where this era of football, or these era of players just don't love football, which is a very, like, it's very... Very, very controversial statement. statement. Like, it's, it's very much a generalization, but it's a big statement to make because you have, and I think with this kind of debate, it's not like you're right on, you could take either side. And I don't think you're necessarily correct because there's so many different circumstances where you have players like Jalen Smith who blew out his knee. And I think it was the Fiesta Bowl, lost millions of dollars. And granted, he was able to get some of that back because he had such a good career in the NFL. But you have players like Pickett who I was like, all right, you need to opt in and you need to stay because you're a fringe first rounder. And you can really, and where Pittsburgh needed him, they ended up losing the game. He could have really risen his draft stock because everybody's watching these postseason games. So I don't really take a stand for it because I don't, I think one one side or the other is really, yeah, but one thing, but on the other end, there's this, on the other end, there's that. So where do you stand on this whole opt-in, opt-out thing? I think in part of it is I think that the playoffs, because they're part of this New Year's Six rotation, the other four games seem less significant. So I don't – maybe when they expand the playoffs, there will be less opt-outs because there's more to play for. But I think this whole playoff system has kind of played a huge role in this opt-out thing because we didn't see that in the BCS era for sure. Yeah, I mean, so of course of course, the, the headline here is Matt Corral. Um, yeah. He goes in, gets injured early. It looks uh, – uh, early reports are saying that it might just be a sprained ankle and that it probably won't affect his draft stock very much. Yeah. But – um, you saw him coming out on crutches and he was pretty, pretty emotional. And you, you see that and you just feel for the guy. Um, but in terms of, you, you can't, you can't fault a player for, for choosing, choosing to opt in, choosing to opt out. Like Matt Corral, for example, he said he never even thought about opting out. He said he was in all the way, wanted to, wanted to end the season with his teammates and, you know, different players have different motivations. So yeah. If if a player decides to opt out, um, you 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 can't you you don't know the, the the intricacies of of his specific situation. So I don't think you can really um, judge a player on that too much. Now I would say, as a college football fan, I'm hoping every single player opts in. Um, yeah, because it, it makes for better it makes for better games, makes for better football. But um, I I personally can't judge dude can't can't say that he is you know doesn't love the game or anything like that when you also have coaches for example leaving um yeah, there's that other side. finishing out the season like you got lincoln riley you got brian kelly all them um leaving early to to go to other jobs so that that it, it doesn't really match up um i would say though that especially now with the college football playoff era that that Bowl games probably they don't mean as much um, for whatever reason, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, I don't know how you change that to make bowl games more important. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe the uh, sponsors incentivize them um, uh, with in, incentivize the players with. Um, I don't. I don't even know. Uh, they could definitely do that deals, now, though. Endorsement deals uh, or whatever that may be, but. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, conversation that comes around every single year. Yeah. Uh, Ever since players have started to kind of do that. 
But um, yeah, I, I just don't think you can judge every single player based on a, a few cases, really. Yeah, and I think for um, a fan's perspective, I, I've, part of me wonders is when you buy those tickets for those near six bowls and then you find out like your starting quarterback's opting out, like how did that ticket, does that ticket value go down to those bowls in a, like looking at it from a completely, not even a football perspective, like a business side of it, there's two sides to the same coin on this where one, on the other hand, this bowl needs Kenny Pickett to play because that'll raise the viewership. More people will watch, more people will buy tickets. But then what if this guy just can't possibly get hurt because he's a fringe. If he gets hurt and tears his ACL or can't play football ever again, he will lose out on millions and potentially won't be able to take care of his family. There's so much. So I think for Herb Street, I think it's it comes from himself because he is a player as well. So he it's it's probably really emotional with this because everybody it's like a brotherhood, all those college football players. And so to have someone turn their back on the program, that, that's that's a little harsh to say out loud. You but you know what I mean. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know if turn your back on the yeah. team networks, but because you still have players on the sidelines with them or up oh, in the I mean, Pickett was there. Pickett was. He was uh, yeah. helping out the OC, which is mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. And then you have Programs like Clemson, obviously, not to toot our own horn or anything, but uh, no opt-outs there in the no cheese bowl. No opt-outs, cheese bowl oh. champs. We the cheesiest. <laughs> oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, that that's – I love it. I love the cheese bowl. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's going to be a constant debate, and I think that the expansion that I think we all is – I think we all think is coming or believe it to be coming very soon. I don't know yeah. how – I don't know what soon is for the NCAA or the CFP, but – I think that I, I was talking about this earlier to some other people is if they made the semifinals separate from the New Year's six rotation, then it would kind of be its own separate entity and more of a reward to be selected for those bowls because you have the or you have the rotation of the two bowls every year. And so you, you're playing in the other ones. and You're like, oh, this kind of feels like an afterthought. So maybe if you just made the semifinals exclusive to the semifinal and maybe there's some brand deal or there's like contracts that I just I'm just speaking out madness, but. It feels like the New Year's Six attachment to the playoff makes it less significant if you're playing in the Chick-fil-A or the Peach Bowl, not the Chick-fil-A Bowl, the Peach Bowl, and you're also three hours before someone just played in the Cotton Bowl, and that's the winner of that goes to the national championship. So it feels a little bit like there's there's some issues that need to be worked out for sure. Yeah, maybe maybe that's something they they try out making it separate from all the bowls. Maybe that, maybe that adds a little bit more importance uh, yeah. to the game. But like, for example, with the Ohio state fans turning back 7,000 tickets, uh, you, you see just how, just how different bowl games are now. It's playoff which, or bust. Yeah. Which is again, kind of unfortunate, but, um, but then you get classics like Ohio state and Utah. Yeah. You get, you get um, games that are great to watch and, I, I personally very much enjoy sitting on my couch all day watching all the random bowls that you could yeah. like Duke's Mayo Bowl. Love it. No, no other bowl had as much hype going into that game as, as, as the Duke's Mayo Bowl because of the Mayo bath. Uh, and which, Shane Beamer got smacked in the face too. Yeah, he the, got, he might, he, he might right be here. a little bit concussed after, after that one. But uh, it did not look, it did not look light at all. That dude got whacked. If, 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 if you got to have a coach getting mayo bath after every single bowl game to add a little bit more importance into it, yeah, fine maybe, by me. maybe. It, it, it'll be, it'll be fun to see. Um, but I mean, the cheese bowl too was goofy, but like it was the, the like, what if of like, how is this going to turn out? Very interesting. And I know as a Clemson fan thinking 
if you had told them in the beginning of the year before the Georgia game that they'd be in the Cheez-It Bowl and not the playoff, they would have been like, well, wh- why? Why does that matter to me? But it was fun. They were really out there fighting. It ended up being a pretty good bowl game. It was goofy. You had a Cheez-It mascot slight coming in from a zip line. And it was, what, I was, was it, Prince Chedward. Prince Chedward. Prince Chedward. Yeah. You, you had to call him Sir, too. Mascot. Yeah. Sir Chedward. Uh, yeah, but I, I feel like a lot of Clemson people were, were embracing the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what you do. You get the most insane sponsors you can possibly get. Um, although there there is also an, a, a conversation of whether they should be sponsored or not. I mean, because yeah. um, maybe the sponsors are the ones taking the importance out of it. Um, but, um, you know, maybe just get the most insane sponsors possible. Bathe the coaches in, in, in whatever the sponsor is uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a bath afterwards. Um, or you know, I I don't know. Like like maybe the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, base uh, dump, dump a bunch of PlayStation fives on 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 the winner of the that coach. hurt. It, it it might, but you know, resale <laughs> value. Everybody's looking for a PlayStation. Give 5 them a now. free PlayStation five. I think they do anyways if they're in the the bowl game. They, they probably do. do. I gotta assume so. Dude, um, I'm signing up to be a. I'm gonna be a. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Mike Gundy though using using a PlayStation five that much. <laughs> he's, he's sitting there with the mullet and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. He, cho- he chopped it off though. He got a haircut. He did. Yeah. Oh, was... that's so unfortunate. I know. It was uh, pretty sad to see. Oh, I was about to say this is why Oklahoma State lost, but they didn't. So yeah. Poor Marcus Freeman. Hey, tough look for Marcus Freeman. I I was hoping he would pull that out. I think. Yeah, I, it was a tale of two halves for sure. But I mean, that's what you get. The bowl season, you can never really predict it. You you can't really uh. If you go chalk, you're gonna go. It's like the March Madness tournament. Yeah, it's 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 bull mania. That's why yes. nobody ever gets them all right. Can't. It's possible. And if yeah. someone has, please hit me up because I would love to see that bracket. That'd be yeah. kind of insane. I I'd love to hit you up for bull mania advice next year. Of course, of course. All right, guys, that'll do it for the Man with the Plan podcast. Joined by Patrick Neal, co-host of Cover Two, College Football Extraordinaire, and he's a homie. Gotta gotta appreciate you coming on, man. Such short notice. Yeah, let's bro. go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> really appreciate you the going on for such short notice because I we're doing uh if you I guys are it. listening to this tomorrow, which is going to be Monday for you guys, um, there's going to be back to back episodes. We're going to do an NFL episode releasing on Tuesday. That's going to talk Jamar Chase's record breaking day. Antonio let's Brown, go. Bengals clinch baby. What's wrong with Antonio Brown? Uh, and so much more. <laughs> Patrick, do you do you know what's wrong with Antonio Brown before we uh, um, sign off, dude? I could not tell you uh, <laughs> it, that man. That man is, uh, I don't even know. I, I got no for words. Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 that's an understatement. I think. All right. But, that'll do it guys for the man with the plan podcast. Subscribe for more, leave a five-star review or simply just comment what you want to see next guys. Thank you as always. And be sure to take care. Mm-hmm.